Sunset Lake CBD is a majority employee-owned hemp farm located right outside of Burlington, Vermont. Before they started growing hemp, Sunset Lake Farms produced cream for Ben & Jerry's. Sunset Lake CBD doesn't use any pesticides or herbicides to grow any of its hemp plants, and they use organic fertilizer and other sustainable farming techniques to ensure the long-term health of the soil and to minimize their carbon footprint. So like all of us, my days are really stressful. By the end of the night, my kids are in bed, I'm taking a minute to chill, but I'm still unwinding. I recently started using the Relax Gummies infused with CBD isolate, reishi mushroom extract, and ashwagandha root extract. I'm really glad I tried these because they really helped me get ready for a good night of sleep, and I really think I sleep better, so I'd highly recommend it. So check out Sunset Lake CBD today at sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. That's sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. Farmer-owned, Vermont-grown, Sunset Lake CBD. Hey everyone, it's Cam Hurt, host of the Best Show Ever podcast, and we have got a second season coming out very soon that I am very excited about. We've got some very cool special guests, including musical acts that we all love, like Karina Reichman, Daniel Donato, Jake Brownstein from Eggy, Rick and Peter from Goose, and many more. Tune in for new episodes dropping on Osiris Media March 5th on the Best Show Ever podcast. Hey listeners. I want to tell you about a sponsor, Music Masters Collective. They're a nonprofit organization that produces unique music events, providing opportunities for fans and artists to meet and collaborate in an inspired and creative atmosphere. Every week, they host different events, all with the opportunity to learn from world-class musicians like O'Teal Burbridge, Trouble No More, former members of the band, Milk Carton Kids, Nikki Glaspie, Bill Frizzell, Sean Colvin, and many more. This June, join the Fab Faux, Joan Osborne, John Sebastian, Marshall Crenshaw, and a great group of faculty for the debut of Magical Mystery Camp. This all-inclusive, once-in-a-lifetime music vacation experience in the heart of the Catskills will be packed with nightly performances, workshops, speakers, song circles, open mics, and a lot more. If you're a performing musician at any level, bring your instrument. If you're a music lover, bring your good spirit. It's an amazing experience for individuals, friends, and couples alike. Registration is open, spots are filling up, so check it out soon. And scholarships are available. Check out magicalmysterycamp.com slash helpingfriendly to learn more. Osiris. All right, all right. Happy Saturday, April 23rd. Oh, I thought Good you morning. were happy new year. Happy new year, excuse me. What am I, where are my manners? Happy new year. <laughs> what an amazing Earth Day it was. Um, I am, I don't know, Meg. I'm, I'm like, I'm very happy after last night's show. And I wasn't even there. How, how are you doing? Let's just start with you. I'm doing so good. I mean, you might hear I sound a little throaty. You know, I've been at three nights of a fish show, so yeah. you know my voice has got a little, a little timber to it now, which I'm just gonna roll with it. But I'm doing great. Yeah, I mean, these last few shows have been so uplifting. There's just been a really positive feeling to them, and it's definitely carrying me through. And I, I haven't been able to see three nights of fish in a row 
and I'm heading into four tonight in a very, very long time. So I am flying high and feeling grateful and enjoying every minute of this weekend. Awesome. I love that. Yeah. I love to hear that. I feel that from afar, you know, it's interesting. Mm-hmm. We've watched this like, and we're going to talk about this on Monday when we do a full recap of the run, but like we've watched this run start with just an intense amount of energy and mm-hmm. a tense amount of emotion on night one that it, it felt at times like they were a bit over their skis, just like so excited, so energetic to be back there. And the show as a result, like it had some super high moments, but also had kind of moments that they were rough around the edges. Um, Thursday night, this very tight, very classic fish show with some great jamming to boot Amazing last show. night. It, yeah. I really loved the, uh, the 421 show last night. It felt like everything just came together mm-hmm. and there were no nerves. There were great song selections throughout the majority of the night. There was this very thematic, visually stunning, Mm. um, just appropriate, like from a content standpoint gag in the third set that was complemented really well by the music that was played. And it felt like last night was, I know it was the new year's Eve show, but it it had the feeling of the 1230 to me of the Mm -hmm. run in the sense of like, there's so much built up hype and excitement, but also every song choice seems to just like hit really well. And the music just goes deep without, with, with, with almost minimal effort. I, I, I loved last night's show. Yeah. I feel like even the songs that they didn't play for a really long time have beautiful jams in them. And yeah, yeah they just sounded really connected and beautiful. I mean, there were so many moments that I was just really impressed with the sound that was coming out. It was really unique. And I think they were really, just trying out some cool stuff. It's beautiful. It was great stuff. And we we are going to bring on two guests here today. We have Seth Gordon-Lipkin, um, who's going to be joining us, as well as John Bonanno. Um, really excited to talk to these guys. They were both at the show last night. We were talking a bit before we went live here. And um, I think we're all kind of on a similar page. So we don't mm-hmm. want to give you all a fluff party. I think we're, we're going to dive into the nuances of it. But it's really good to like, you know, everything I'm seeing in terms of people's comments about the show everything i've heard in terms of like private chats i've had with people like everyone seemed really really high on what the band did last night in a cool way and i think we're going to break down what we all really enjoyed about it um yeah this before- is the most positive i've ever seen fish twitter i don't know if it's just who i'm following but <laughs> pretty positive right now now that you've said it yeah, sorry, I just turn. ruined it. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, it's. Uh, I, I agree with you. I think it's, and, and we're going to get in. I have some thoughts about like the why of that because I feel like the band really just knocked the uh, the the gag out of the park in, in a lot mm-hmm. of ways for for a lot of really unique reasons. And like, you know, the challenge and the and then the the dual challenge and enjoyment of fish is once they do something great, you know that they're evolving and thinking about the next thing. So mm-hmm. like who knows whatever, like, you know, the new year's gag at the end of this year will be, you know, how that will, will, will be attracted and, and how that will be, um, uh, received by the larger fan base, but whatever they did tonight, like just everything seemed to come together and I'm really excited to dive into it. Um, before we do that, because we have three sets of music to talk about plus an encore fish gives you an encore. It's pretty crazy. You don't even have to clap. They just come out for the encore. It's amazing. Um, and a really good encore. Uh, first timer. Mm-hmm. 
Um, we have a couple of bits of business to share with you all. First and foremost, we want to encourage everyone who's listening, everyone who's hanging with us to subscribe to Osiris Media on Apple Podcasts for HF Pod Premium. It's an excellent way to support what we do here, and it's a great way to get ad-free as well as bonus content from uh, the HF Pod team, the Undermine team, as well as a number of other podcasts here at Osiris Media. In addition, we have two excellent sponsors that we want to tell you about here for um, uh, the show here today. The first is Sunset Lake CBD. Sunset Lake CBD's line of smokable hemp products are for the old deadhead. That's Jonathan out there. Also the young fish <laughs> fan. That is me, 2.0 child here, uh, searching for the mellow body high. Smoking CBD for all has all the benefits of high THC cannabis without the paranoia, the anxious side effects. With nine different strains from this year's harvest, there's something for everyone. Hawaiian haze is awesome for an outdoor show, and cherry abacus is best for the end of the night. All the flowers grown, cured, and trimmed by Sunset Lake CBD's farmers. Even better, Sunset Lake CBD's farm-to-table approach gets you great pricing on premium CBD flour by shipping it directly from their farm to your door. I love Sunset Lake Flower. I've talked about it a ton here on this show. Um, I have the Hawaiian Haze right now, and uh, I, I, I indulged a bit last night, and it was fantastic. It was the exact mellow buzz that I needed. I had kids at home, some friends over. I had to, you know, I had to be both entertainer and dad while watching a fish show, while taking diligent notes so I could go live today. And a little bit of Sunset Lake CBD just set me in my right way. It was perfect. It was exactly what I needed. So I'd encourage you all to check them out today at sunsetlakecbd.com. Use the coupon code HFPOD for 20% off all products. Sunset Lake CBD, farmer-owned and Vermont-grown. Meg, you want to tell us about a really cool bar that is putting on some fish-themed pre-show, post-show uh, festivities for everyone? Yeah, the bar at Moynihan is awesome. It's in the Moynihan Train Hall, which is brand new, newly renovated. It's gorgeous. It is right next to MSG, next door, across the street. So convenient. You should really check them out for your pre- and post-show hub for fish at MSG. Not only do they have this exclusive Sierra Nevada foam Pilsner available, but it's at a discounted price. And they've got that at the bar. This is by the original Penzi team which many MSG concert goers might remember from kind of pre-COVID days. But this is a really great place to go before Fish Week at MSG. The bar at Moynihan is just a pint's throw away from the garden, and it's in this new train hall. And I talked a little bit about it yesterday, but they have amazing food options around that you can bring into the bar, not expensive, like really good quality food. So it's a great place to get some food and a drink and definitely run into other people going to the show, which is super fun. They have a great DJ. It's a great place. So you can go over to MoynihanBar.com or you can follow them at the bar at Moynihan for more details. If I was in New York, that's where I'd be going. Yeah, it's I had, really cool. I sent friends there on uh, Wednesday and Thursday and they both had, they all had excellent, excellent reviews of it. So um, I would definitely be hanging there myself. Um, should we bring Seth and John on? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. I also want to encourage anyone who's hanging with us here on a Saturday morning even if you're, uh, you know, worse for your wear, hanging out after three <laughs> nights of fish, trying to, you know, scarf down that uh, that bagel, trying to put down a couple <laughs> cups of coffee so that you feel like a human again. Whatever you're doing right now, 
Share your thoughts about last night's show. Even share your thoughts about the run overall. Um, if you've been there, you know, what is what is it like to be back at MSG for the first time in some time? Um, but what were your thoughts on your favorite songs, the the gag overall? We'll share we'll share the comments and we'll we'll talk through them. But for now, we're gonna bring on Seth and John. How you guys doing? Hey, hey. guys. Doing great. Awesome. The show. Thank you so much for joining us here today. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. Um, Seth, I want to start with you. When was your first fish show? And what was, if, if you keep track of the numbers, what was fish? What was last night for you? Uh, yeah, my first fish show was Meriwether 09, kind of a, uh, a, a weird entry because it's pretty universally known as a bad show. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it was my first one. So it was great to me at the time. Yeah. Um, but Last night was, I think, uh, like 106 or 107 um, nice. and probably like my 50th at the Garden. Um, and it was really exciting to be back here for this run and um, just so full of joy to, you know, to be back in that room with with all these amazing people. I love it. I love it. John, how about you? Uh, first show was 11-18-98 at the Bilo Center in Greenville, South nice. Carolina. Great well, last night was my 36th show, third time in the garden. So it was awesome to be back there. It seen so many friends just having a great time. And the last time I was here was not the best experience. So this was like the great time and being here for four nights. That's awesome. Yeah. It's um such a special spot. You know, even if you're, I'm not from New York, I'm, I'm from the Midwest, but like there was always an attraction of going to see fish at MSG and arriving there. It was like, okay, I get why they play here all the time. And uh, every time you walk back in, you're kind of just like, this is fish's home. It's an amazing spot. Um, so how about, let me just ask you both really quick. Um, had you seen shows in 2021 or, or like, was this your first show post I guess since the the start of the pandemic, where where were you guys at last year? I think John, Seth, you want to go? Um, yeah, I'll go. Uh, so last year I went to two shows at Hershey, and then I drove from Delaware to the Gorge and back for the Gorge. <laughs> Damn, that's a drive. Flying and getting a red on, I was like, screw it, let's drive across the country. So that was awesome. Driving home was a little rough. Um, and then I saw two almost tab shows, DC and New York, Radio City. Oh, cool. So that's cool. been like kind of 21. Yeah, and I did the Gorge, and then I yeah, I was at uh, some of those John Fishman's almost tab shows. <laughs> the one in DC. Shows. Yeah. Those were so awesome. Yeah, was I was at those too. Yeah, I've gone back and listened to those in the months since, and it's just wild how, you know, I mean, the, the nature of fish, the nature of Trey, the nature of fishmen is improvisation. But like at its, you know, it's a rock show that like features improvisation. And those shows are just like as open ended and like mm -hmm. anything is possible in the music. Uh -huh. It's really amazing to go back and listen to, to what they were able to do. Um, we'll jump into last night's show. Had you guys seen, uh, had either of you guys seen the, the, two, no, the sh two shows prior to this uh, at the Garden? Yeah, I'm doing the whole run. And uh, so I think last night, in my mind, was was the best of the run so far. It was just like the energy in that room when uh, we'll get to the the whole gag. But like when the dolphins and the whales started showing up, um, it, the, that was just like an incredible moment. I'll never forget that. Um, and the, the improv in set two last night was like stellar. Really, really yeah. great. 
really high high bar for it. Yeah. How about you, John? Did you see the rest of the run? Yeah, I was here first two nights, and I'm going tonight. Um, I just felt it's like a building, like step up from like night one, just getting like feeling good, feeling the place out, and then the energy of night two, and then this just kind of built off that and just like free flowed and just kind of like rocked and jammed, you know, through like different waves of peaks and higher peaks. Yeah, I got that vibe. I mean, it's it's interesting how they've set this run up um, because the other. I'm trying to think the other New Year's runs that don't follow the traditional track of 12, 28, 29, 30, 31 that cross into January. Um, I don't think that they've, I don't think any of them have had just one show. I guess maybe the 2010 into 2011 run did where they played two in Worcester and then came and played three in New York. But mm-hmm. when they do like the four night run in New York, they're typically you've got like the 30th to the second or the 31st to the third type of thing. Um, It's, it's rare. This like new year's run is like they they've had momentum to get to this three set show. And then we have one show, one show after it. I don't know. It's just, it's a very interesting placement here. And I, I agree with you. Like it felt like night one, I loved moments of it. Like the Carini, I don't think that there was a better way that they could have opened it up. Like let's just rock everyone out and then let's jam for 20 minutes. Um, but it felt like a lot of excitement. And then the the 22nd show or the 21st show, excuse me, really felt like a band that was in full command. And they knew the sound in MSG. They knew all their plays. Like they knew the songs that they should be playing. They knew how to like attack them from an improvisational standpoint. And it led to this show last night that maybe it was the fact that there was no other people that were coming on stage. And, you know, the gag was really this visual gag and like the music was a part, was a huge part of it. They just felt really relaxed throughout the whole night mm-hmm. to me. And it, it seemed really cool. Um, that all starts with everything's right, which is the first time we get that song opening a show since November 1st, 2018. Um, Meg, starting with you, what, what were your thoughts on the everything's right? We, we open with a, basically a 17 minute jam right out the gates. Yeah. Well, I think one thing that I've learned over the past three nights is that fish knows how to start shows at the garden. I mean, the opening <laughs> two songs for these past three nights have been killer. They've just come out with great energy and been willing to go deep right away, which I think speaks to that comfort and that, you know, willingness to to go where the music wants to go right away. I thought this Everything Right was awesome. Talk about uplifting. I mean, this jam is beautiful. It sounds really melodic. That to me is kind of the tone of the whole week so far. I mean, there's definitely pieces that are not so beautiful and melodic, but overall the jams have been really, really pretty and uplifting and positive kind of vibes, which has been really, really, really fun and so different from last year. So it's it's exciting. I feel like I keep hearing Paige more so on the first night, but trying to go evil or dark. And then Trey's like, no, we're gonna keep love and light, you know, like it's but yeah. last night I felt like they struck a really nice balance with that, particularly later, yeah. later in the show. But um in the beginning I thought that was beautiful. Everything's right. And this tube just absolutely rips. I was so happy. I thought this version was awesome. It's just really great effects at the end, high energy, like really, really strong beginning. Yeah, I agree. And and these two songs right out the gates, uh, right, right out the gate was just like great song selection of two songs that uh, jam with pretty stunning knees right now and, and allowed the band yeah. to just like kind of, you know, 
play thematically i think the way that they want to with a song like everything's right but then dive into improvisation and and and, and be able to experiment right away um john what were your thoughts on this first uh these first two songs right out the gates here um i love everything's right because uh i got my crew a bunch of everything's right pins for the first you know run that was going to happen and it got canceled i just had them in my drawer and i had this one on my computer and i kept looking at it. i was like man, everything will work out. I just kept hoping. And then when that song came on last night, I was just like feeling that and I was just rocking. And then the jam just seemed to flow so nice. I was like, this is the perfect way to start it out. And then when that tube came on, I was just like, all right, we're about to get down. And then I just started dancing like a maniac and they were just like rocking it like old school style. Yeah. Yeah. There was definitely a, a, it was a cool dichotomy between like, there was such a modulation into this bright, bright jam and everything's right. And then tube came in and it was just nasty. And like what you're talking about, Meg, like this, this push towards brightness that, that I feel in terms of how, how the band is seeming to want to jam right now, but then having a song like tube, that is just like page stand up on the clav Trey play the synth pedal and let's just like have a dance party. Uh, oh, what were your thoughts? Okay. Like, basically 20, 25 minutes in the show, Seth. You know, I thought the tube jam was really cool because it kind of evolved. Like there were some teases to your pet cat coming through the first couple nights. And then during that tube jam, Trey like fully leaned into it and it kind of morphed into a your pet cat jam for like two or three minutes uh, before Trey kicked it back into the blues riff. And I thought that was like a really cool way to kind of bring some of what uh, he's been putting out there in improv over the last few nights into, into the early part of uh, the first set. But I thought, and you know, not to jump too far ahead, but I thought the the bathtub gin at the end of the first set was like, the first moment of, of the night that was just like really mind blown kind of moment. And um, that jam to me is like an absolute John Fishman masterclass where yes. you can hear a point where like Trey starts noodling with this like minor key riff, but he can't quite latch onto it. And Fishman starts, uh, you know, banging on his snare and, and like, you can feel him like bringing it out of tray and then it just kicked into another gear and um, got really jazzy and, and exciting uh, to, to close out that first set. It's, it's really, I, I'm so glad that you mentioned that because I got like six different texts all at once from people just being like, Holy Fishman during the bathtub. Mm -hmm. And um you know, one thing that's been cool about this run from afar is there's new camera angles that they're utilizing in the webcasts. Um, one of them, they were utilizing last year um, a ton, but I didn't think they'd be able to do it at the garden just because, you know, at an at a shed, there's like a roof over the band in, in, in a lot of cases. But it's this overhead shot where you see, you can basically see down into all their rigs. And during Bathtub Gin, they went to that. And Fishman, like... Trey is like leaning forward, doing the lean out to the crowd. And he's like super into it. Paige is banging on the piano. Mike is, you know, just not in his head, but Fishman, it looks like there's like 17 arms. Like mm -hmm. everything is happening at his drum kit and he's all like, he's completely in the pocket. And I felt that during the tube. And I felt that during the bathtub gin that like, these are two jams that sonically they tend to you know both these jams can stray from their larger theme we've heard tube we've heard bathtub gin over a number of occasions go into this like type two you know kind of crazy exploration where anything is possible musically but we also hear them really excel 
just within the larger theme of the song that they Mm -hmm. extend out for five, six additional minutes. And with both these songs, it felt like they were leaning into that side where let's just showcase what the band can do without exploring too far. And I felt like they, they, for both those songs, they, they did a really good job of that. I feel like they're Um, doing that a lot, like playing even their composed stuff really, really well, really strongly these last two nights in a way that is, sounds really committed. Yeah, I mean, I, I find sometimes as a listener, you know, I, I, I love improvisation from Fish, but I find sometimes, especially since coming back from the pandemic, like just appreciating when Fish is playing their composed material and when they're just playing their songs well and just appreciating like the simple aspects of the band rather than being like, okay, let's take this into a jam. And and Tube and Bathtub Gin really kind of exemplified that to me. I don't know, Seth, John, do you guys have any thoughts on that? They've had a lot of really great moments like that during this run. I feel like Stash on night one mm-hmm. was like yeah. definitely prototype of this. You know, it it reminded me of like a earlier mid nineties Stash. Mm-hmm. It, you know, it's it's not too long, but it gets really intense and aggressive, mm-hmm. and um and like was just one of those like real hose moments where they're really latched onto the structure of the song, but in ways that they can kind of explore different crevices of it. And I thought that was really cool and definitely a play um, throughout the first set last night. Yeah. I feel that. How about you, John? I've been feeling like in this echoing that same thing, a lot of the notes they've been like feeling more present with that. They're just like on and just hitting it where I'm just like vibing with the sound. So nice without needing to go crazy. It just seems like that patience, it just kind of gets in there and then lets it build a little bit more than maybe some other time through pre pandemic kind of era. I think there's something going on with Trey's tone. It's really soulful in a way that is sounding really mature and thoughtful to me. Yeah. And I feel in that sense, like we we were talking about this yesterday. Um, There were definitely more, moments especially when we get in the set two where trey leaned into the synthesizer pedals and and mm-hmm. axilla part two i think was a great example of that um mm-hmm. but it seems in a lot of cases like he's really emphasizing as like clean and as like straightforward mm-hmm. a tone as possible um in effort to use the like the melodies that were so present last year but through the synthesizer pedal just through his pure guitar sound now and so you're getting this when they're when they're jamming there's less um there's less of a notion for him to seek out the pedals to create alternative sounds and just let his guitar communicate but it also then translates when they're not necessarily jamming he just sounds like he's he's playing really colorful leads in a lot of areas that's really cool I wonder if part of that, you know, any of that has to do with the gag because uh, mm. they they mm. took off a lot of his actual setup. Like, I don't, I yeah. can, I'm not enough of a gear guy, but like, I think they must have taken away some amps. They definitely yeah. took away some effects pedals. They really had to trim down the setup to get them all in a straight line like that. And I bet a lot of the rehearsal time of like mm. having to rely on on make doing more with less probably served him really well with a, a little more patience in some of these jams that's a really that's good point. I, point yeah i did yeah. not think about that but that is because yeah i mean you got to imagine they probably spent the last 
don't know, three, four weeks at least, like running through this sort of stuff mm-hmm. just to make sure everything was in line and figuring out what the set list was going to be and figuring out, you know, timing and that sort of stuff for, for the overall set. I don't know. That's, that's a really interesting point. Um, Cause it definitely sounds different from Mexico. Like in Mexico, mm-hmm. he was still leaning into the jet, the, uh, the synthesizer pedal. Um, moving through set one, um, Personally speaking, the only like period in the set that I felt or in the entire show that I felt like was lacking great song selection was the 555 back on the train army of one segment. I don't know if you guys agree or have any thoughts on those songs or if you guys want to move to Axilla in the end of the set. I mean, we all need a bathroom break at some point, right? So like, you, uh, you know, give it early we, and then we go. <laughs> they're they're <laughs> never the songs that I'm most excited to hear, but every now and then, uh, you know, they come at the right moments sometimes to be like, Oh, you know, I could, I could hit the head. I could grab another beer. Um, and for me, I, I used one of those opportunities and like got back inside right in time for Exilla. So it was like, okay, they gave me, they gave me my window and yeah. then I got back to rock the, a song that like, I've never heard it Exilla two live. I've heard one a million freaking times. Um, yeah. But like the, the part two, that's the one that I really connect to lyrically. So it was like very excited yes. for me to be able to know, never understood what my Thank body you. is for. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. The lyrics of Axla two are so good and yeah. they're so much better than Axla one. And I same, that was my first Axla two. And I was so excited. We talked a lot about it when we talked about hoist on the pod earlier this year. And I was so thrilled when that came on, I was thinking of Jonathan Hart. I was just like, pumping my fists. I was, I was so happy. That was an awesome moment. The jam out of that too was super super yeah. cool at one point mike is like yodeling it gets like really interesting and like weird. <laughs> yeah. and i awesome. feel like that was the those are the moments when the band really excelled last night when they were like yeah. spacey and quiet and like especially in the third set but yeah that yeah, was kind totally. of like the first hint of that i felt like i that was that was definitely my highlight of the first set not even uh, the yodeling, and then I, I caught it this morning. I didn't catch it when I was watching the show last night, but he he, he gave two quadraphonic toppling quotes, which I would like. Is that what he was, was quoting? That was what he was quoting. Oh. I was I was driving my car this morning, listening to it. And I just like had to like pull over and like freak out for a second because I was like, you know, you get it, Mike. You get That's that we. Cool. Want I was listening, but I was like, what am I hearing right now? <clears throat> right, right, right. Yeah, he's yodeling, just, yeah, he yodeling. Quoted, I, was like, I love um, the yodeling. Yeah, with calm. Uh, yeah. He's like, I'm trying to go deep, guys. I'm trying. Yeah. <laughs> there is as deep fish knowledge as possible. Um, yeah, Axela, I was texting with a friend during this, and he was like, that closing jam to Axela 2 was such a launch pad for the band that they never utilized in 94 and 95. And mm-hmm. like, what an amazing history we have now for this song that like exists in this tiny window and then Axilla one comes back and there's no sign of Axilla two for close to 30 years. And it returns as like this just crazy bust out after the third longest fish jam of all time, uh, in that shoreline soul planet mm-hmm. segment. And then it comes back at this crazy Vegas run and it's played for 21 minutes and now it comes back at this like weird rescheduled New Year's run, and it's like jammed out in the middle of the first set. Like such an interesting history for a song. And like whenever things like this happen, I'm like, I'm so glad Fish came back that they could write these new stories of songs mm-hmm. in a way that like if they never had come back after Coventry, like Axla Two just lives in this tiny little window. And now 
20, 30 years later, we have this, this new, uh, journey for the song. And, and it was, it was awesome. And a very seamless, uh, fade back into the riff mm-hmm. when they ended it. It was, it was great stuff. And I feel like the, it suits what they've been doing the last couple of years really well, because I feel like a lot of the, the jams over the last few years that have been really amazing. I think of like the deer Creek simple, uh, a lot of things that kind of just get rid of melody entirely and they and they really focus on like kind of ethereal soundscapes and that like the way that that jam outro and exilla starts just really lends itself well to that style totally yeah it's it's weird when they it's always cool when they've like written a song like a new song that then lends itself to their jamming at that point in time. I think about mm-hmm. like Mercury uh, during like 2018 and 2019, like that song seemed to just like brilliantly lend itself to the band's jamming during that period. But then like an old song like this that comes back and they suddenly utilize it for jamming. It's such a, it's such a cool thing. Um, John, we, we talked just a couple minutes ago about um, Seth had mentioned Fishman's brilliance during the bathtub gin. What were your thoughts on this gin um, at this point in the show? I just thought it brought like the energy like to the perfect level and it was like the perfect song that I wanted to hear just in the garden with all my friends and I don't know the jam just seemed to move so nice when they got into it and just took me to like a spacey ethereal level and then was getting like funky and then just like brought it back together you know and just kind of like took it off to another level, but the energy was great. And Fishman was just like rocking it out so hard. And I was sitting behind the stage. So like I could see the crowd mm. and the energy when the lights came on and they were jamming. And then I was feeling that, you know, back cause I've never been behind the stage. So it just like kind of lit me up. I was behind the stage for double chocolate night of the Baker's dozen. And I didn't totally know what to think. I'd heard from people behind the stage is awesome at MSG, but I was kind of just like, but I'm still behind the stage. Like, am I really like, is this good? And, and I, I was totally like, I was sold. I would sit behind the stage at any show, like the perspective you get on the band and the way that they interact. Mm-hmm. But then the, like what you're talking about, like a big moment, you see the entire crowd and that just like that adds to your overall experience. It's awesome. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I said the other night I, I was behind the stage on night one and I said like, you've not lived until you've watched mm-hmm. a show from right behind John <laughs> Fishman. Like yeah. I'm geeking out on him. <laughs> like right now really hard but um just like he is he's on a different level right now with this band and he's so consistent and being behind the stage and like being able to really see him work that kit um is just like unbelievable and i'm i'm glad to hear you say brian that they've like added more of those perspectives to the webcast Mm -hmm. i feel like he's really underappreciated and uh which is saying something because we all freaking love the guy um but you know can't sing enough praises for John Fishman this week. <laughs> yeah, I had plenty of comments. But I, I had some people over last night watching the show, and at least three or four times during the show, people were like, oh, my God, Fishman. Like, how is he able to maintain this level of energy and strength throughout a show? Like, I've tried to sit down and just, like, mess around on the drums, and, like, my arms hurt. And yeah. that dude is, like, playing <laughs> no, both, didn't he have like, cuff surgery, like, a year ago or something? <laughs> you know, I think like, he, yeah. Like, oh, my God. Like, he, and, I mean, the, the amount of, like, the, the, the exercise that you have to do to, like, yeah. make sure that, like, I mean, his core strength has to be crazy just to do that. And to be, like, in the pocket, but also super powerful. Um, I think it was during What's the Use you know, he was just seamlessly transitioning between, um, 
he had these like lighter sticks that he was using just for like the really quiet parts and like in beat as everything was happening, he's like just switching it out to back to his normal sticks. I'm like, just no effort whatsoever. Just like little things like that. Mm -hmm. I was just, I was blown away. Um, Santos closes the set and I got a text from a friend right afterwards that Santos was written to be played at MSG. And it, it felt that way from the web webcast was, was it as good in, in the, in the room? I mean, that's just such a rock song. Yeah. I've, it's like a perfect set, set one yeah. closer. It, it to me functions a lot like character zero. It's like, yeah, let's, let's bring the energy up, get everyone screaming together in unison and let Trey just like rip the hell out of a solo <laughs> going mm -hmm. into the break. Um, I think, you know, you come out from that and everyone's just got like huge smiles on their faces. How can you not? Yeah. Yeah. I feel like there's so many moments this weekend where the whole place has just been singing and that is just really powerful. And that is just a song when everyone's like singing and screaming and just having a great time. I, I agree. Perfect set. One closer always. Yeah. I saw the last Santos at the garden and that like, just, I don't know, memory of just singing. This is what space smells like was like burnt into my head. And I was like, man, that was a great time. I wish I could get back to the garden. And then when that closed out the set, I was just like, rocking singing i was like all right i'm back at the garden like this is happening there's no more closed down bs going on right now yeah i was i was i was talking to a friend about it um during the show last night and explaining like fish's infatuation with like 1970s arena rock but that like if they exist in the 70s like they're not going to be Led Zeppelin. They're not going to be the Stones. Like they're they're Rush. They're Yes. They're Genesis. Like they're they're in the the nerdy prog rock camp of like, hey, let's turn. They're weird. They're like, let's turn an arena into an underwater aquarium, um, <laughs> twice in our career. But like when they play a song like Santos, you're like, that is the band channeling like Led Zeppelin. Like that is them mm -hmm. channeling their classic rock uh, ambitions directly through there. So yeah, I agree with you guys. Amazing, amazing. Uh, set one closer um set two so this spot on a new year's run is usually either really really well delivered or the tension leading up to the new year set you you feel like the band is kind of not like stressed but there there's a lot of pressure leading up to the gag because there's probably a lot to coordinate and be delivered in a short time frame when they do it really well, it's a super fluid. Like the, uh, I'm thinking, like twelve thirty one ninety eight, that second set, twelve thirty one ninety seven, twelve thirty one ninety five. Like these are like second sets that like you just press play and you are not skipping a track. You're just you're playing it all the way through. I felt like last night had that quality where from like and I re-listened this morning. Really creative jamming really good mm -hmm. song selection, really good flow. When they walked off stage after number line, I was like, that's all we needed going into this, whatever the third set is mm -hmm. going to be. Um, Meg, what did you think about this set overall? And what were your highlights? Yeah, I thought it just flowed really well. I thought the segues were awesome. I also thought set your soul free had so many cool ideas, really nice textures at one point, kind of at the end, he's getting to this kind of like screeching, piercing sound. I don't know what effect he was using on the pedal, but it was really different, really like high pitched. And then he was going into those like the happy birthday tease. And there was just a lot of playfulness, but also intentionality to the to the jam. And it was beautiful. I really loved, um, I thought the light was really well placed. Fuego, like perfect song to play after light. Like you have this like really, you know, kind of like uplifting, positive, you know, dad rock light and then it goes into fuego and you're like 
yeah, like this is great. And it's just like funky and fun and like darker, which is great. And what's the use? I haven't heard since 1999. It's so beautiful. I was so – I think we talked about it in like when we were talking about the shows leading up to the original New Year's run in like December. And I was saying how bad I wanted to hear this um, over this run. And so I'm so happy. It was beautifully played. I just – I love when they get quiet like that and just perfect to kind of like pop it into number line and end on this super happy, positive vibe. I thought it was an amazing set. Yeah, I, I enjoyed this greatly. Um, I'm just thinking about Set Your Soul Free. I'm looking at the most recent versions. So last night, Mexico, um, there was a version at Santa Barbara, but the Chase Center uh, jam, the 26-minute version from 1017, and the Dix version that opened up the last second set of the Dix run last year. Uh, five versions, four of which have been these stunning improvisational moments where the band just like, there's almost no effort. They just, they end the song and it works a lot of the ways that like light did itself. It works the ways that like everything was right does where once they start playing the song, you just know that you're in for an extended jam and you're in for a ton of creativity. And I felt like last night was, was no different. Um, Seth, what were your thoughts on this set your soul free? Yeah, I thought Set Your Soul Free was great. I I think like you're saying Brian, like it is one of the one of the best jam vehicles that we've got right now. Like it can go so many different directions and I agree with you. Like it reminds me a lot of Light in that way. I think Light has been one of the most consistent jam vehicles mm-hmm. uh since 3.0 started and I thought it was the the jam of the night, maybe the jam of the run. I thought that Light was like absolutely out of this world. Um but the whole set to me was like kind of this perfect encapsulation of 3.0 in a way it was like a lot of the songs that have been the heavy hitters throughout 3.0 their most reliable jam vehicles and um what you were saying before about exilla like being a song part two anyway that has kind of like gotten new life um over i feel like what's the use is one of those songs as well like i i remember i guess it was like maybe 2013 or 2014 um they busted out after a long time not having it in the set list. And then they realized it can be this like really amazing landing pad to like mellow down the crowd in these powerful and, and beautiful ways. And I think they, they executed that really well last night. Um, But I, what I loved about that whole set was like every jam was, was really different in its own way. Um, I thought light was like a great example of where the band is just like, perfectly balanced they're all playing at the exact level moving together seamlessly um and that's what i loved about that jam and then it went into fuego which fuego the composed section was a little bit dicey but um but once they got to the jam it like took this turn almost to like mongolian war chant throat singing kind of kind of sounds and i was like (laughs) after this like blissed out uh, light jam was like a really crazy juxtaposition that I loved kind of going from literal light to darkness and, um, and just like having that, that sort of back and forth that I think went throughout the set in a really cool way. Yeah. Yeah. I felt that. I, I mean, I felt like I have this as the strongest light that they've played since 1230, 18. Um, I, I thought it was a brilliant jam. I think I'm right there with you. I think that this was the jam of the run for me thus far. Um, it was so good to see light come back as a big jam vehicle. It, it's been played less frequently over the last couple of years. And it seems in some cases like the band has been 
maybe not consciously, but like they've been tapping other songs for, for kind of, you know, this is the song that we're going to utilize as a jam vehicle, something like set your soul free or everything's right. Um, a couple of the versions I've seen at uh, Dick's over the last couple of years within like five or six minutes, just immediately segue into plasma for some reason, which like there's an inherent groove there, but you, you know, light in, 2010 2012 2013 like that was a reliable song that every time it started you were like we are getting a huge jam now last night felt like a big return for that there was like a melodic move there was a a, a point of it i got a couple texts from friends that they were hearing the calypso type jam um, from the burgettstown 2012 light that i definitely picked up on as well um it was so good to see that song. And I'm just thinking about it now, like as you said it, that set was a perfect encapsulation of 3.0. Every song in that set, aside from what's the use was written in 3.0. And there's an argument to be made. Obviously what's the use comes out of the sick disc. It comes out of the um, Bearsville 97 jamming, but like, and there's great versions in 99 and 2000 amazing versions, but like what's the use really kind of came into its own over the last five, six, seven years, what you're talking about where like it gets so quiet and it gets so dark and that was not really happening in like the late 1.0 versions. So there's an argument to be made that like, this is like a full 3.0 set of the band just presenting who they are today in a really cool way. Um, John, what were your thoughts on it all? Well, just since you're talking about that, what they use, just that, that sound when it came through and just the place got quiet, like, there's some fish licks that when I hear it, even if it's just like short and just sweet, like it just hits me so good. And I'm like, mm-hmm. this is just like amazing fish, regardless of if it's a crazy long song. I just hear that lick. and I'm like, all right, this kind of puts me at home. Um, the set your soul free. I thought they just like were locked in and it was just like super blissful. And then like you were saying, Meg, at the end with those licks, they were coming through. They were just like mm-hmm. firing out and firing it off and just got like super funky. Um, and then the Fuego was just kind of getting me dancing. And kind of like you were saying, I felt like I was a little warrior getting tribal in there and just feeling like the whole beat of the place going. Um, but yeah, that light was just amazing. I was just, I love the light. Like I love lights. So I love the song light. And I was, um, I was feeling it heavy and they were just like, you know, flowing so nice. And it was just putting out the vibes and, you know, it just kind of took it to another level but i just feel like the whole set it was just like flowing from one end to the other through the jams like it was just a seamless kind of transition where it just flowed and kind of went together perfectly without any like super breaks of like going one total direction it's just like a straight set of flow from one end to the other yeah it's definitely one of those sets that like i think you know we've all keyed in on cool song placement here but it's also one of those sets that what you were saying, John, about how locked in they seem during um, the set your soul free. It almost didn't matter what songs were played. Like they were, they could have come out and played five different songs and still deliver. They were just locked in, in such an incredible way. Um, I will say the, the only nit I have to pick is there's a piano intro to Fuego. And I would really like the band to relearn it because it's a good intro to the song. And like, this is now the fifth time that I've heard them try to enter it with Trey's guitar. And it just, they don't seem to like connect. Like there's a really cool show stopping page, just like spotlight on him as he plays the piano to start the song. And I, you know, 
would just like to hear that again. But um, the other thing, number line, I'm a huge fan of the song. I'm a I'm a true believer that there's no 3.0 without this song being mm-hmm. sent. The, the words of the song being sent to Trey and him writing it so quickly. I thought it was super touching and just like an amazing life moment for him to share that with his daughter in the, in the venue. You know, it's, it's clear that his daughter is, um, is a massive fish fan and she like gets it in the way that the four of us get it. She just happens to be Trey's daughter and there's no guarantee there. You know, you, you raise kids and you introduce them to things that you care about. There's no guarantee that they're going to respond to it. And that's what they're going (laughs) to want to do. She happens to totally get it. And I got a text from a friend who is a young dad as well. I've got two kids. Like he, we we were going back and forth about how wild it is that like you create this thing and then you have kids, you share it with them, but then you share this thing with them. And here you are on your daughter's birthday. You get to play this song that means so much to you, means so much to, you know, your band and to your larger fan base. And you basically dedicate it to her in the moment. Like that just, ah, oh man, it just got me going. Good vibes. Great. Really good vibes. Very, very good vibes. And what a way to like close out a set that had a lot of darkness in it and lead mm-hmm. into this. Nobody really knew what to expect going into set three. Um, you know, so you're just leaving on a high note. Um, anyone have any final thoughts about set two before we jump into the third set? Yes. I did want to say that I think you're right about them being able to play any, like it doesn't matter what they're playing, but I do think that they're choosing incredible song selection. I think that when they have chosen to go quiet or take a break, they're choosing songs like What's the Use or you know, Esther or Man Who Stepped Into Yesterday, songs that are special. And I think that that's kind of impacting the, I don't know, the kind of gravity of the shows a lot. I think that's a really good point. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think that there is – the song selections this run have been pretty big. Like when mm-hmm. they are playing a specific song, they're calling out something that we talked about it yesterday. Like we need a breather. They play Mango song or they play Esther. Like those aren't, those are hard songs for the band to play, <clears throat> but they're also like songs that the audience is going to really respond to because as we talked yesterday, most of the people on the, on the, on the show yesterday had never seen an Esther um mango song is a pretty rare song for people to see so like it gives you a breather but it's also like an exciting moment and that happened with what's the use last night as well i think that's really yeah people's point. stats are on the up and up this weekend if you're here <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was great gonna, place to do it i was gonna say real quick on the number line too i met a guy in line and he was like dude it's my birthday at midnight tonight he was like this worked out my birthday's on new year's i was like well at least something's good cat coming from the canceling and then my buddy uh, Aaron from No Simple Road, he was celebrating his 50th birthday, so we hugged after that. So I was like, oh, you know, man. we're at least we're celebrating some birthdays tonight for those people, you know, versus yeah. like if you had your birthday on 12-31, like I'm sorry, next year we'll rock it out. Right. <laughs> right. Shout out to Aaron and No Simple Road. Happy birthday. That's uh, that's awesome. Um, they, that is they, awesome. They, I got to meet them at the Osiris after party. That was that was really great. To fun to meet them finally. This is his first time in New York City, and uh, I, he's no way. Be just off the walls. Yeah, yeah. yeah right. um, so let's talk set three. So I, I got some immediate messages from friends who had gotten into the venue who were like, what, no balloons? And I was like, well, who, who knows? Like, maybe they're just going to play three sets, and like, it's three sets of fish. Like, isn't that, oh, isn't that good, you know? And 
I don't think anybody knew what to expect. And then I started to get pictures during set break and we could see this on the webcast that they were clearing all, all the um, gear off the stage, but you still didn't know what to expect. And I've got to say, and I, I messaged a bunch of people about this before the, sh the set started. I said, please, I just don't want to see any platforms. I can't deal with that again. Like I can't deal with the stress. And what do they do? They come out on stage and there's a platform, but I loved the thematic nature of like all four guys on one platform. Like we got you. Like if, if, if something goes awry, we're all together. <laughs> I think that was the starting point. Trey is like, if, if we get stuck this time, I want you guys up there with me. Exactly. <laughs> I'll be getting stuck alone this time. He said he told his mom, no platforms. I was like, what is this? <laughs> I, I i loved like visually from the start of this and i want to hear i want to turn, turn it to you guys but like from from at home like visually as free was playing you're starting to recognize like okay the screen is really going to be an element to this and it's almost going to be an element like how the hourglass set was where it's it's visual and the music really dominates but um meg starting with you what was what was it like visually in the room amazing i was actually in right at the front of the 200 section on the side on page side so i saw it kind of it was an incredible view of the stage but i saw it from the side which was cool and different and what was really great about when they started playing free and when they started going up is that they started to move around that was so cool where trey was playing to the back and to the sides and that was really you know, just one of those moments when when MSG feels really round and intimate in a way that is incredible for such a big room, but it really yeah. does feel that way a lot of the time. And that was it. And I felt their design element and their production team is so incredibly top-notch. I mean, those lights, Kuroda was just, when the laser lights started going off during free and they started hitting us, like that was just a moment I've never experienced. It was like so incredible. And to have them playing this song that's such an iconic old school fish song, it was just a really, really powerful moment. It was awesome. The crowd was just incredibly excited. It was so cool. Yeah. Seth, where were you at in the room and what was what was it like visually for you? Yeah, I was um Mike's side, lower bowl. Um, it was unbelievable. And I'll, I've got a lot of thoughts on this gag that hopefully I'll be able to say any of them coherently. Um, but I, what I loved about it was like how it, it kind of, it unfolded in layers. Like you could peel totally. back one piece yes. at a time. And like, if it were just them going up on that platform and having the projection screen of that white sheet below them on this elevated stage, that would have been really cool. Totally. And, then, yeah. and so like, cool. They, it says free on the projection, rad, you know, they're up there sweet. And then all of a sudden there's dolphins and you know, it's like, yeah. so it's like just the way that it, you thought you knew what the gag was and then it turned into something else like five or six times. And one thing that I, I think is really interesting about this gag and I, I like kind of wish they had the chance to do it in December. I um, just saw Alt J with Portugal, the man a couple weeks ago. Mm -hmm. Some of you may have seen that tour and tool on their, um, on their big tour right now. And both of those bands are using similar kinds of technology to like have like, uh, visual projections around the band in this way. Mm -hmm. And I feel like they were, you know, fish was really trying to be on the cutting edge of it and they just got pushed back a few months. So like they were going to be one of the first places we ever could have seen that. And so it was, it's really, um, 
you know, cool that they got to have that moment. And you could tell uh, over the first couple nights, like Trey was turning around a lot more than he typically does. Um, And it was clear he was thinking about what that view is going to be like when he's up a little bit higher with all those people in the, in like the Madison club, part of the, the garden and stuff. And um, it was just, it was a spectacular gag. Uh, Like, just one one of the coolest things I've ever seen. And I heard a lot of people saying, you know, they wish there were a balloon drop. And me and my buddy were talking about it this morning and realized that the rotors on the drones that were flying all the animals around would have popped every balloon in the room. <laughs> yeah. That's why they couldn't do balloons. Yeah. And the confetti I thought worked really well for, yeah. for like the vibe of like being under the sea. Um, yeah. it, it, it added to it. So yeah, I mean, I, and I think like, and bubbles the, the layers and the bubbles were amazing i actually spent so long trying to figure out it's like are there pieces of paper are those textures yep. and the lights maybe that tells you a little bit more of where my head was but i was like what is actually happening and then i started <laughs> seeing like the bubbles flowed over us and everybody was like what I, I, it was so they really three-dimensionalized the whole space and used all of msg for the gag and how magical it was to watch these giant balloons floating around that, I mean, the whale was really realistic looking like the dolphins kind of look like balloons, but the whale was really realistic. And just watching this like huge animal and feeling like you were snorkeling or just in this experience. I mean, it was, it was honestly, I think it was my favorite gag I've ever seen. I was like right next to the section where that whale came out and, you know, everyone's looking around at all these dolphins. And then I've, you know, I got my phone out looking, you know, taking pictures. And then I turn around, I'm like, Holy shit. (laughs) (laughs) And that's the thing. Their production's like so high quality that you didn't even like see them come out. Like all of a sudden they were just there. And I I didn't see them go back either. Like there was not a moment of clunkiness. It was all just super organic and really incredibly orchestrated. John, where were you at and what were your thoughts on it visually? I was in section 420 right behind uh, Paige Good looking section. down. And uh, this, uh, this girl was next to me. It was her third show. And she's like, what's about to happen? I was like, I have no idea, but it's going to be super crazy. <laughs> and I'm looking at the stage. I'm trying to figure out, but it was so unexpected, which Fish does. I was like, what could they do after a sci-fi soldier? And I was like, this is ridiculous. But it kept building into different levels. And then the music just flowed so nice. Um, but yeah, when the dolphins came out, but then, like you said, it's like when the dolphins went away, they were gone and the whole vibe switched in a second. And I was like, they are just on point with this production. Um, but it just seemed to like flow nicely with the way the projection lights were. It wasn't like crazy over the top. It was just like a whole nother vibe and level and like a creation of a space that, yeah, I basically felt like I was in an underwater aquarium watching like, you know, a whale swim by like what it would have looked like, you know. Exactly. That's it really did feel like that. It was crazy. It was like when you're like up on the tank and like the aquarium. I mean, it was pretty cool. I've seen a bit of this, and and a buddy of mine and I were talking about it during the set last night. It felt like such a cool update to the 1993 New Year's Eve run, yeah. where they set up the aquarium on stage. But like the technology of the time, you know, that's still visually such an incredible. Like anytime you see a picture of that, it just looks so iconic. But you know, the, the technology at the time was well, you could have stationary, uh, you know, clams and seaweed and fish hanging from the rafters. 
to go ahead in time, basically 30 years. And now we have drone technology where we can recreate this like actual feel of what it's like to be in an aquarium was <clears throat> just stunning and, and such a cool way to tie it back. You know, they've done this in the past, like the hot dog returns for um, big Cypress and then returns for Madison square garden in 2010. Um, but like to have this gag from way, way back in time, return you know basically here but it's an updated version of it it's like whenever I, hollywood remakes a movie but they actually do a good job on it you're like oh yeah. well the technology like like the latest like dune you're like okay the technology really like serves itself here like um it still will be you know really just endearing in its simplicity from like the 1993 gag but here it's like okay, this is what it actually feels like to be underwater, both watching it on the screen, but also being in the venue. And they really managed to bring in elements of a few other gags too. Like that's one thing I thought was so cool mm -hmm. was the connectivity because yeah. like you said, the aquarium, you know, bringing that back, uh, they used that rain effect that, that they used during Petrichor. Mm -hmm. uh, yes. Amazing effect and like kind of leveled it up and they took the hourglass projections and, and put them right beneath them instead of around them. And like, yeah. So there were all these kind of cool ways, and you know, we talked about earlier with the platform, like all these cool ways it connects to things that they've done in the past and sort of was able to to bring together a creative vision that you you know they've been building to in in interesting ways. Um, and like, you know, kudos to to Julia Mordaunt and the creative team behind the band also, because like the, oh, the people they must have worked with to to bring this all together with so many different visual elements um, between the drones, the rain curtain, the projections, like absolutely unbelievable uh, yeah. way of bringing it all together and beautiful. And also fashion. like the iconography was all tied in. There was like cubes and donuts and, you know, all this stuff happening through the rain and the projections. Yeah, they were really. Yeah, we didn't even talk about the donut that raised up at the end there yeah. <laughs> with the confetti. It was Just hard. I, I'm curious as to what it looked like from the front because I saw it from the side. So I really want to watch it on YouTube and see like what it looked like from the front. It looked like it, that big pink frosted donut from The Simpsons. <laughs> like, yeah, I was, was just going to say, cool. it was Homer yeah. Simpson's dream right there. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I, I also thought, and they've been doing this, I mark this as um, the New Year's Eve, the golf gag, when every song in that third set had um, mm -hmm. had throw, or like had references to golf in, in, in a cool way. And then they did it again. Um, pirate ship. Well, the pirate ship, all the all the ocean songs. Um, I'm trying to think if there were other elements of this, but like last night, all the song selections were so in line with they're referential to what was happening. You know, the seaweed and the slime, and mm -hmm. a little bit of melt. Obviously, sand waves, a wave of hope, free being um, floating on the ocean, like. They did such a great job crafting the set list in a way that felt like a wink to what was going on, but was also subtle enough that mm -hmm. it didn't feel like they were beating you over the head. And I felt like sometimes their their New Year's gags feel like a practical joke that's just blown up in a stadium. Mm -hmm. And here it felt like it was very subtle. It felt like this could have just been like a festival set in some cases where the design elements that we're talking about and the execution of that plus the music it adds so much to just be like i re-listened to this and it's it's one of the only new year's eve third sets that you don't need to watch it like you can re-listen to it and it mm. holds up 
the waves, the sand, the split open and melt. These were really, really good jams that you don't really expect in the third set of a show like this. Yeah, like they could have crammed six or seven more water salt, like theme from right. the bottom, foam, uh, you know, like the list goes on and on. I, I was thinking maybe they would do once in a lifetime and find water at the bottom of the ocean, you know, um, <laughs> and like they, they could have just packed it all in. But instead, they they really let the songs that they chose and and aligned the visuals with, they really let them breathe. And I think Sand was like a great example of that because, you know, they could have just made it a short five minute romp through Sam, but sand, but it like, it really had legs and, um, and yeah. was, I think probably like the, the most intense part of that set, mm-hmm. uh, especially after just like this blissful waves where we could all just like kind of gaze up and admire all this insanity going on around us. Um, and then sand was like, Nope, don't forget. We're here to party. <laughs> yeah. That was a great moment. I, that was a great moment. I really loved that end of the second set, third set. I mean, it was, it was really well played too. And and the encore was incredible. Oh yeah. Remember when the, when that sound of the, of the, um, of the water freezing started yeah. piping through the PA. I don't know if that came through on the webcast. Oh, it I did. Like, oh my oh, God. Is this, so cool. is it, is it going to be more gag and then an encore? It's like, it kept <laughs> me guessing like all the way through to the end. Yeah. It was yeah. so cool. Cause they like lowered the stage and made that crackling sound and then they left and they came back on and yeah, yeah this is a great version of it. It's ice too. Has it ever been an yeah. encore before? It's first appearance as an encore. It wow. rarely makes it as a second set song especially of late there there's a couple versions from the late nineties. Um, but yeah, it was the first time as an encore, which just such a cool spot for it. You know, it's a composed, I'll take any riff song at any point during the show. It's one of my Same. favorite fish albums ever. And, um, but yeah, this song in this slot, it's, it leaves you hanging in a way. Cause usually the song comes like midway through the first set. And I just, I loved the way that like they went through it and then they ended it and they kind of faded out as they were, as they were leaving. Um, John, what were your thoughts on the, uh, on the jams in the third set? Well, I was thinking at one point, I don't know if you guys remember, there was like, Trey was just straight up making whale noises with his guitar yes. and like communicating yeah. with the whale. I was like going back to like Star Trek when they went back in time. I was like, this is like a straight <laughs> whale <laughs> communication coming through Trey. And I was like, what communicating? Um, but yeah, everything just flowed. The sand was just so rocking and like, they just went from like an underwater vibe to the dolphins were gone to just like, we're in the sand vibe. Um, but yeah, I love the it's ice closer. I just thought it just sounded so great. And then it's like, they went away, came back and just like rocked it out. But yeah, it left you just kind of, you know, thirsting for a little more, but just like put you off on the perfect kind of like way. And just the song selection, you're like you were saying it wasn't over the head with just a crazy like hey we're going to give you a million of these it was just a nice flowing set where yeah you can listen to it back but it kind of tied everything together with the whole like water vibe and just going like deep down you know kind of to the center and getting there it felt in line as well like trey wishes everyone a happy earth day at the end of the set and it felt in line with like you know this like conservationist mindset of like we don't need to like go overboard like we can we, we don't have to play like seven or eight songs like we can play just like th- we're gonna let these songs speak for themselves and we're gonna like you know recycle jams within them and allow and allow jams like you know speak for themselves i don't know there were there was something i was like it felt very much um there was no overkill 
There was just, this mm-hmm. is, we're going to utilize what we have. We're going to be resourceful and we're going to allow the music to speak for itself. Um, your point about the whale noises, I, I loved it. And it was such a, like, it felt to me like a callback to early, <laughs> early 3.0 tray use. I think it was a pitch shifter. Uh, of yeah. Like a tremolo pedal would, or something. The tremolo pedal. Yeah. And, and it was dubbed the whale call by the fan base. And it was not a endearing name because yeah. every jam there was this like, wow, you know, sound that Trey would play. And it, it at times felt like a crutch and it felt like it would take them out of like whatever creativity they were in. But like, that was what he was feeling at the time. And I loved him actually calling a whale and like it sounding really, cause his, his rig has definitely improved in the last 10 years. And in, in a lot of cases where like those sounds sound more natural now than they may mm-hmm. have in 2009, 2010. Um, I thought this may be a really just hasty uh, uh, kind of reaction at this point in time, but visually conceptually execution wise and musically, I think it has to be one of the most creative sets that they've ever played. Like it just all came together in a way that, you know, you, you put it up against like a fall 97 set, a December 95 set. Maybe it's not like as musically impressive, but like just in terms of where they're at in their career and the creativity that went into that, I thought it was one of the most creative sets I've ever heard them play. And I think that, you know, that's borne out when you see the chatter online today, like Meg was saying earlier, like I haven't seen anyone say a single negative thing about last night. And that is extremely rare for a 1231 show. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Someone always has something to complain about. Either they didn't like the gag or they didn't like the music, you know? (laughs) Well, and that's the thing is like most 1231 shows tend to have this like stressful pent up energy of like, we got it like New Year's. We're we're, like waiting for this like moment where we count down and then we celebrate. That's Um, why I don't like New Year's. It's too much pressure. (laughs) It's a lot of pressure. And Trace talked about this. Like I think Mm -hmm. the fish book from 97 starts with them talking about uh, talking about the night of new year's and like how new year's represents change. It represents evolution and step forward, but that they kind of prefer the night before the 1230, because that's the night where they can feel less pressure, but they can deliver in a different way. And it was really cool to see this idea of a new year's show be played on a night that everyone else in New York city doesn't care about, (laughs) you know, nobody else. And the weather's great. I mean, it was like, I want to do New Year's run in April every year. This is amazing. I don't have to deal with like family commitments for the holidays. Like, this has been great. Let's do it. Well, so I feel like, too, it was like such a long time from the last New Year's with the cancellation, like the buildup was so much. But once it actually was like going down, maybe like then the pressure was off because we actually like could have the show. There wasn't like, is it going to be canceled four days later? And then it was like, all right, we're here. We can rock. That was like more of a stress than like, oh, it's New Year's night. Like, you know, versus like, are we even going to have a show and have it canceled? And it was like, all right, we're here. And then maybe the pressure was off or they could just kind of like jam out with the fans and, you know, all get in one happy space. I 100% agree. I had so much anxiety that this was going to get canceled again. I just like couldn't handle it. Even to the point where I was like on Wednesday, I'm going to wear my favorite outfit because like what if the rest get canceled? So I was like... (laughs) still in this like very concerned anxiety thing, which is not how I am. I'm actually not an anxious person, but so many things have been canceled. So I agree. I think, and maybe that was part of the emotion of the 20, 
Um, I'm calling it the 29th show. It was not, but Wednesday on the 420 <laughs> show. So I think that, yeah, I totally agree. I think that having that pressure released and not having to worry about hitting a 12 o'clock, you know, a point at, at midnight, being at a certain point musically yeah. at midnight, I think that was smart that they just like let that go. Like, the one thing I thought was kind of funny about it is I, I don't know if I'm the only one who felt this way, but it felt like the third set was like really short. And I realized they probably had like seven or eight minutes added in that they would have been playing all Lang Syne, you know, yeah. <laughs> like going through it nice and slow and letting the ball, the, or if they had balloons dropping or whatever. Right. Um, but I thought it was so funny also just being in the garden with 20,000 people tons of them wearing like 2022 things and you know the bartenders saying happy new year every time you, <laughs> you got a beer you know stuff like that it was just like it was so funny and and just like um it, it was like a childlike joy just to like be yeah. a part of something so stupid just like yeah. so stupid yeah. and i loved how stupid it was um like you know there's bubbles blowing all around me and i was like this is absolutely ridiculous and there's no place I'd rather be. <laughs> yeah. I was trying to explain the gag to my husband who's not a fan and my kids and it sounded really dumb, but I was like, <laughs> you know, like these giant balloons, they were run by drones and they blew all these bubbles and it looked like we were underwater and they're like, mm-hmm, you know, it sounded really dumb, but it was actually really magical. <laughs> I mean, it is interesting because like you wonder how many New Year's shows across the country were canceled and how many were just simply not rescheduled mm -hmm. you know and it was just like sorry we're not playing a new year's show tonight or this year we'll see you guys next year um and you know whatever artists like you know we're, we're we're planning on touring around the holidays and they just that that stuff was canceled and they just like went on with their schedule whereas fish felt this obligation of like no like we really care about the new year's run our fans really care mm -hmm. about the new year's run and they made it a point throughout the language when everything was rescheduled, as well as the dry goods website this week to not say like April's four night run at MSG. It was April's new year's run. And yeah. like that, I, I use that word to describe what I think are like some of the best fish shows, which is stupid. Like it's stupid joy when it, when it's really, really good. It's you're, you're not thinking too hard about it. It's just like, it's joyful in a very childlike way and not to say children are stupid, but you know, it's like, you're just like, you're laughing in a, in a, just like, Oh my God, like I can't believe this is happening way. And like the vibe on the new year's show from last night, from everyone I heard on the ground, as well as how it came across on the, on the webcast, it felt like we are, uh, we're just embracing the ridiculous aspect of this, but there was enough subtlety to make it really last as an art piece, which was really cool. Sometimes that doesn't happen. Yeah. It's like, I feel like fish new year's is the most fun and more, you know, just ridiculous than anything else. So then if you take that and put it in a whole different month with a whole crazy experience on top of it, then it's just like an extra level of like, yeah, what other community or band is having a full new year's run in April because, you know, the Knicks lost, like, oh, this is happening. <laughs> That's the only thing I was thinking last night was like, can you imagine this gag? If, you know, the rumors, if the Knicks had made the playoffs was that this show was going to be at like 12 o'clock in the afternoon um, before a playoff game. Can you imagine this gag happening at like two o'clock in the, in the afternoon? And then you go out into like the daylight in New York. That's like the only thing that would have added more, <laughs> insanity to all this but, yeah it was kind um, of fascinating it was like coming out of the show like 
no nitrous anywhere. I don't know if you guys noticed this, mm. like no nitrous anywhere. And I realized like on a normal New Year's Eve, we're small potatoes in the grand scheme of what's going on in New York City. But last night we were like the biggest party in town. So all of NYPD was around <laughs> at the garden because like there's nothing else going on at one in the morning last night. Uh, I mean, like in New York, obviously, but you know, yeah. it's like biggest party in the city was uh, was us. And they were they were focused on us. It was very different than your normal New Year's. You you spill out in the city and you're like, oh my God, the city is just alive on yeah. New Year's Eve and let's just go and do whatever. And uh-huh. you get away from the garden and you're already in like more insanity, but it has nothing to do with fish here. Like the city's just, it's a Friday night, <laughs> you know? Um, so we all, I think unanimously enjoyed last night's show and enjoyed last night's gag. I want to go around um, rapid fire favorite jam of the night, starting with you, Meg. I think I'm going to say sand. It's a good pick. Not what I was expecting, but that's a good pick. You got down during sand. That's good. Mm-hmm. How about you, Seth? Uh, light. Light was like yeah. out of this world. That's the one I'm going to listen to from this run constantly. So, so creative throughout yeah. that, that gym. How about you, John? I was just really feeling that split open and melt at the end when that seaweed come down. It just hit my soul. And like, I was just like so happy. And I was like, this is just like, the perfect way for this, you know, set to kind of go into. I love I we've been the an hour and 15 that. minutes. And the first time we mentioned the seaweed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So good. Yeah. Too no, that's about like that, that song in that slot that set to usually set to closing spot has been so strong over the last couple of years. And for them to put it that deep in the show, and it tied in with this underwater theme. Oh man, just so good. Um, for diversity's sake, just because last night had so many great jams, I'm going to set your soul free. And I think if we had, if you made a playlist of set your soul free, sand, light, and split up in a melt, you're in a pretty good spot. And I know I'm leaving everything's right. Tube, gin, Axela. waves, axilla, fuego, all this stuff on the table. But you know, we, we had some good fish last night. Um, Seth, John, I want to thank you guys so much for coming on the show today. It was uh, a total pleasure for us to have you guys on and break this down. And I hope you guys get some probably much needed rest today and uh, enjoy the final night of MSG. Yeah, hydrate and nap and get back out there. Okay, <laughs> there, out there come say hi to me. A lot of fun. Yeah, thanks, right, guys. Well, yeah, hope to and, meet you guys in person soon. All right. Yes, and hit us up. Um, we'd love to talk with you guys this summer if you're if you're doing any mm-hmm. shows. So so hit us up. Uh, we'll have you guys back on. Yeah, definitely. Awesome. Awesome, guys. Have a great one. All right. See ya. Bye. Bye. All right. We got one more of these left tonight. How are you feeling going into this last one? I'm good. I'm tired. (laughs) I'm tired, but I'm really excited. Yeah, I just haven't slept very well. You know, haven't gotten enough sleep, but my family never do. You never do during a run, but my family went away. So I've got the house to myself now. My dog even went away. So now I can just really, I'm going to get really good sleep tonight. And I'm going to get down again tonight. That's it. We've got a lot of good things on the table still. There's a lot of songs still left on Mm -hmm. the table. Kind of crazy. Yeah, I've got um, 
two puppies right now that get me up between five and five thirty every morning. And I'm, I'm just, I'm thinking ahead to this Dick's run and I'm just like, I don't know how I'm going to do. Cause <laughs> yeah, like, like dog walkers come at 5.00 AM. I don't know. I know. Right. <laughs> we don't send it. Like we, we've never sent our kids away for the Dick's run. Like we're just like, we're, we parent during the day and then go to the shows at Impressive. night. And I, I'm like, I may just need to send everyone away uh, this year because that, that sounds like a really good kids and puppies may just need to just board them all for the, for the run. At least for like the second half. Cause the first half you're really, you've got a lot of adrenaline. So I mm-hmm. think, you know, maybe just for the last two nights, send everybody away. Have and some just, time for just you be, and just, just do be, it. Yeah. Just be. I want to, I want to throw up this comment that I, I, I didn't throw up earlier, but um you know, we were talking, how do, how do we judge a good fish show? How do we judge that, that a show was great? And we got this comment from Timothy Henderson that says, my sole way of judging how great a show is without ever listening to it is by how much, by, by how much Meg is gleaming. (laughs) Shout out to Tim for that awesome comment. He also said that we should pay her to go on tour as the official HF pod dancer on the floor. (laughs) Just saying. You know, you make a good case there. And um, let's talk to the boss man. Let's talk to RJ. I love to dance, and I have been known to tear up a dance floor. So you'd I would be a take good field job. reporter as well. I think I think it would work. I think that'd that, be so that, fun. That's a good idea. Um, Maybe I'll do some calling from tonight. Let's do it. Set break? Let's do it. Okay. Let's do some set break. Um, but you know. Your your energy through this run has been nothing short of impressive, both from a coverage standpoint as well as from just soaking in the run. So thank you. It's been it's been a total Thanks, joy. Brian. Thank you. That means a lot. Absolutely. Um, we will be back tomorrow. We've got two more days of of doing this this coverage. Tomorrow Good. we're covering night four at mm-hmm. uh, one p.m. Eastern. Um, we have. Two great guests that are joining us, Patrick Hickey and Joshua Sclarin. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Patrick Hickey and Joshua Sclarin will be joining us tomorrow to break down the final night of Fish MSG 2022. I'm very excited to talk with them. That will be at 1 p.m. Eastern. And then on Monday, our normal show at 4.30 p.m. Eastern, we'll be doing a whole overview of the run. Just what does it look like as one complete piece? So stick around um, and enjoy that. Uh, it's been a ton of fun. Meg, do you want to tell us one more time about our friends at uh, Sunset Lake CBD? I'd love to. Sunset Lake CBD is a majority employee-owned hemp farm, and it's located just outside of Burlington, Vermont. For years, Sunset Lake was a dairy farm. They produced milk for Ben and Jerry's ice cream. And in 2019, they diversified and they started growing hemp for CBD. Sunset Lake, you've probably heard us say this, but they are incredible because they really embrace Vermont's tradition for land stewardship by using sustainable and regenerative farming techniques. They build and protect healthy soils. They're 100% pesticide-free. They use minimal tillage and implement cover crops and crop rotations. They also serve as a research farm for the University of Vermont, and they're agronomists to study hemp and inform best industry practices. And, you know, maybe it's that Sunset Lake CBD giving me this glow during this run. You know, I've been surviving on this for my post-show recovery, and I would definitely encourage you to check them out today at sunsetlakecbd.com and use coupon code HFPOD, and you get 20% off all products. Sunset Lake CBD, farmer-owned, Vermont-grown. Just an amazing company, amazing organization. Mm-hmm. 
Um, we also want to tell you about our sponsor, Cash or Trade. They're the only secondary ticketing marketplace where fans buy, sell, and trade tickets at face value. Fans are able to DM each other before, during, and after a transaction to rate and review each other when a transaction is completed. There's no added fees to sell your tickets, and all sales are fully protected by Cash or Trade's uh, trader protection policy, which guarantees your money back should anything happen. Users can avoid purchase fees as well with a gold membership subscription. Visit cashertrade.org to learn more and utilize their service. And with Summer Tour right around the corner, we're five weeks away from it at the end of this run. Oh, my um, God. That's exciting. Awesome. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, we got eight shows coming up in uh, over Memorial Day and uh, in early June. Pretty wild. We're going to be busy. We're going to be busy. We're going to be busy. Fish is going to be busy. Music is going to be happening. It's going to be awesome. Um, visit cashertrade.org to utilize them. With that, Meg, get some rest. Get Thank some you. food. Get ready. You got one more night of this. No matter how your legs are feeling, no matter how tired you are, you got one more night. When you wake up on Tuesday, you're going to be like, oh, man, I wish there was fish. And totally. You're days away from this feeling. So just savor this, all right? It's such a good advice. I'm there. You're there. We will talk tomorrow. Everyone have a great day. Thanks so much for hanging with us, and uh, we will see you here soon. Thanks, Brian. Thank everyone. Bye-bye. Hello, everybody. I'm Bruce. And I'm Nolan. And this is the Corner of Gray Street Podcast. As longtime Dave Matthews Band fans, we set out to create a podcast to dive deep into the past, present, and future of DMB. Not only do we recap and review shows within an ongoing tour, but we revisit past shows from throughout the band's history, conduct interviews with a wide variety of guests with ties to DMB, and create unique and exclusive content like our Concerts on the Corner series. Whether you're a fan of the band or just a fan of great music, we think you'll find something you'll enjoy. We can't wait to see you on The Corner of Gray Street. Hey you, do you have any plans this year? Ha! How's that going? Do you get 2020? Well, welcome to a brand new podcast called 2020, where myself, Benny Goodman, and my good friends, Corey Pazin and Siobhan Cronin from the band Lost Symphony, also got 2020. And since the world ended this year, we decided why not just check in with some of our friends in the music industry and see how everyone's doing. We're going to get a candid look at life on and off the stage, as well as the mindset of some of the most successful people in the entertainment industry. New episodes drop every Sunday and Wednesday at 9 p.m. Eastern. And you can listen at 20. 
020-D.com, soundtalentmedia.com, or on your favorite podcast app.